Support for Local Color, a Baltimore podcast, is provided by Brioxi. Brioxi is working to put hundreds of innovators of color into their own home in Baltimore. Join the tribe. We are the ready generation. So you want to honor exactly this moment as best you can um, and not kind of hold on to expectation of what could be or, you know, creating stories about what was. Hey, everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, a show about the local color that makes Baltimore great. Today's guest is Justin Temple, and he's a yoga instructor. An ancient practice rooted in tradition, yoga made its way to the West in the late 19th, early 20th century. Some would say yoga in its current state is a sad, appropriated shell of its former self. But as I talked with Justin, a registered yoga teacher, I learned that something can't really be appropriated if it's given away. Stay tuned. Justin was born and raised in Catonsville. His life had all the trappings of a kid growing up in the United States. Pretty normal suburban upbringing. Um, I would say I'm, I'm, I was that like stereotypical, um, shy, reserved kid that liked to sit in the corner and draw all the time. Justin was an only child growing up. He had friends and a large extended family with several cousins, but nothing beats the bond you share with siblings. Ever the optimist? He considered the silver lining of growing up a lonely only. Also learn a certain amount of independence when you, you know, have to come up with like your own sense of fun or your own sense of identity separate from anybody else. Justin was also one of those kids in school that fit into the nebulous crowd. Kids that ate lunch in the upstairs cafeteria and had their own world of drama. Justin believed being part of that undefinable crowd taught him some crucial life lessons earlier than most. I think there's a certain amount of character building when you know, you're willingly or unwillingly not part of like a cool crowd. And you kind of learn a certain type of empathy that comes with that. What was school like for you? I know you were saying that you were kind of the quiet kid that liked to draw. Did you enjoy school or were you not a big fan of it? Um, I'm not the most studious person. <laughs> I mean, like, let's get that out of the way now. Um, so like, you know, I can, I'm really good at focusing when I'm like super interested in something. But like, if it was gonna be a subject where, or a topic um, that I really didn't have any interest in, I could easily just shift all of my focus into something else and like kind of let that go to the wayside, which, you know, doesn't really lend itself well to academic <laughs> studies. School was fine. Like, it, it wasn't like this completely, um, you know, traumatizing experience. It wasn't, you know, anything like really, really awful it it just kind of was what it was so was high school my favorite probably not but i think that was more so because you know there was probably a million other things that i would have rather been doing at the time um that i would have enjoyed but you know i was there so i got through like everybody else did after high school justin went to umbc where he majored in being bored he met one of his best friends there and they shared similar tastes in music not wanting to spend another minute in the classroom. After three years, I dropped out and joined a band. Um, and that was kind of my life for a good amount of time. For the next five years, Justin played in a rock band along with his friend. During his time in the band is when Justin first encountered yoga. That came about because I was hanging with a group of friends. And two people in that friend group 
wanted to take a yoga class. One of them had been taking yoga classes and another wanted to join in. And I guess I, you know, by what a, whatever fortunate circumstance, I was in the room at the time when all this was being decided. And somehow I said, oh, I'll go too. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not doing anything on Saturday. Why not? Um, so I didn't really know what I was in for, per se. But I took that first class, and I think that was in 2008-2009. From there, I might have been taking yoga classes regularly once a month, once every two months. Like, it wasn't super, super regular. And then, you know, that changes. So then it becomes like once every couple of weeks once every week twice a week three times a week and then before you know it you know you're you're kind of there um more than you're at home <laughs> and then there's something to that so you know i was kind of figuring out why i enjoyed this thing so much or you know just enjoying it as much as i was i determined that because i liked it so much maybe there was something to it and maybe i could help other people like it as much as i do because i i definitely was starting to notice um, positive change in my life as far as, you know, mood and and um, just kind of my relationship with the world around me and, and the idea of uh, being in service to others. Um, so I thought that if I was getting so much out of it, maybe there's an opportunity for me to, to be able to spread that to others, or at the very least, help other people just feel good. Americans highly value feeling good, but exercise is always left out of the equation. Countless studies have asserted the importance of exercise for the body and the mind. Fitness can be a daunting task to take on, and even professionals like Justin aren't immune to thinking, do I have to? I get up every morning to practice, and every morning that I get up, I have to like make that decision, right? And the other side of making that decision is a thought that comes up. It's like, well, I could just stay in bed. Like you practice all the time. Laying in bed is easy. So is not giving 100% at your job or in a relationship with family or loved ones. For Justin, yoga has become something much more than exercise and twisting his body into a pretzel. And this commitment to the practice that I made is in service of everything that I do, um, my relationship to people, my teaching, my ability, uh, my willingness to relate to people through the practice of yoga. So um, me not doing it kind of goes against everything <laughs> that I'm trying to get people to, to work towards. But like, I appreciate the fact that I still to this day have those thoughts of like not getting up because that, that makes the decision to do so that much more important. And it makes me recognize that like, I'm no different than anybody else. I, I, show up to my mat with the same amount of shit that everybody else does. Can you talk a little bit more about um, how yoga has, I guess, made you more in touch with the world when you were saying earlier that it's kind of changed your outlook? Do you think it's made you more uh, self-aware or can you explain that? Yeah, so um, the method of practice that I participate in is, um, kind of very linear so you you kind of practice at the same time every day you practice the same poses every day um and kind of through that context you start to learn um more about yourself in the aspect of if you 
do the same thing. Think about it with drawing. If you draw a straight line, one straight line every single day, and then you compare those lines, every single one that you draw, you're going to notice differences and you're going to notice kind of maybe the way you hold the pen or, or maybe your hand kind of veers to the right. And if you practice yoga every day, you can kind of start to recognize Maybe I'm the type of person when I get to something that I don't like, I just try to skip it or I take my time moving into it because I don't want to do it. Or maybe I push myself really hard because I want to do that. And you can kind of see which patterns and which habits are in service to you in that moment. And, and by extension, once you start to identify the things that you do on a regular basis on the mat, you start to have a little bit of awareness of the things that you do when you're just kind of out in the world. And that's really what the practice is trying to get you towards is a little bit more mindfulness when you're existing, not so much for the two hours when you're practicing, but like you got 22 other hours out of the day when, you know, you have the chance to not be a jerk in the checkout line because somebody's taking too long. Right. And you can kind of see when those things come up and, you know, the practice gives you an opportunity to not necessarily change those things, but to at least identify when those things happen and you can kind of make a decision based on those and from there you can choose to be different or you can choose to not be different it, it, it's just a tool set and it's a it's an opportunity to really kind of um engage the world not on autopilot but but really participate in the process of like kind of living being in the moment is harder than ever with stories, hashtags, and live video. It's like going to a concert and experiencing it through your phone's screen. Of course you want to preserve the memory of a great time, but what happens when you put your phone down and just be? Justin's style of yoga is all about what he calls economy in action. Think of it as the easiest way to do a pose is the best way. Being present and mindfulness is a must, but can that train of thought be taken too far? Do you think that economy and action and the self-awareness and how yoga facilitates those things, do you think that that can cause people to kind of get lost and not reflect on the past and eventually maybe be like exhibit impulsive behavior? And that's the paradox, right? And, <laughs> and yoga by definition is a paradox. Like so many things in the practice are exactly as they are until they are not. You can't not pay attention to things in the past because then you're forced to repeat history, right? But being mindful is, in a moment, is recognizing things in the past that were harmful so that history doesn't repeat itself in a way. For example, say I practice and I do a pose and the method of which I do the pose leads me to hurt myself in some way. Well, if I'm not mindful of the action that I took that leads me to injury, I'm always gonna be forced to go back and injure myself. I have to be aware of things that I did in the past that got me to that place, but being in the moment and recognizing what new patterns I can create for myself that doesn't take me to that place again is probably the most important thing. So you have to kind of operate with a sense of recognizing what you've done before. But that doesn't necessarily mean living in the past, right? Like you have to 
it, it's a very quick thing. It's a very, there's a lot of um, thought that kind of has to happen. But being mindful still calls upon you to, to you know, recognize things that you were taught previously. If you were driving, and another example that I'm going to try to pull together. <laughs> okay. If you were driving and you were switching lanes, you would know to turn on your signal because you were taught that sometime in the past. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in the past, but you're using past lessons to help inform your decision making in the moment. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Justin talks about the nuts and bolts of yoga, like getting certified, and why the, quote, westernization of yoga might not be such a bad thing. Back in a flash. Support for Local Color, a Baltimore podcast, is provided by Brioxi. Brioxi is a network fighting to change the opportunity landscape in the U.S. for minorities across all intersections. Here in Baltimore, Brioxi is helping hundreds of innovators of color buy their first home. Learn how to find support for your down payment, invest with other people of color, and strengthen your community. Join the tribe. We are the ready generation. If you're just joining us, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. My guest is Justin Temple, a yoga instructor. Uh, We were talking about economy and action and yoga A lot of people talk about yoga and they know what yoga is, but do they know where it comes from? Well, India, that's for sure. But how did it get to the United States? It wasn't until um, the early 1900s that yoga as we know it as a postural movement modality um, really kind of surfaced. And that was kind of brought to the forefront by T. Krishnamacharya. Um, So he had two students. Um, Patabi Joyce and BKS Iyengar. Joyce and Iyengar developed two different styles of yoga. Joyce developed Ashtanga yoga. Which is what I practice. Iyengar developed Iyengar yoga. Which is yoga that we would kind of identify, um, you know, the use of props, the use of Um, bolsters supporting to really find openness and postures. Iyengar and Joyce went on to receive recognition for their work, international recognition that was preceded by visits from European travelers. Anyone can practice yoga. All you need is a floor, a body, and patience. But to teach yoga, you got to have a whole lot more patience and put in the work. The lowest certification that you would have is a 200-hour. Um, That's the lowest? Yeah, 200 hours of... of <laughs> exactly, right? Teaching yoga and promoting wellness is all fine and good, but yoga is a service people provide, and teachers are entitled to payment. By and large, being a yoga teacher is a very, very um, hard living in terms of the economics of it. You know, you find that people that do make it work Um, teach a very large amount of classes Um, or if they run a studio they are doing an insane amount of work regarding um, the operations of it. When BKS Iyengar and K. Patabi Joyce found an international audience they also found international dollars. No shame in it but when money and a new market is involved the soul of a culture or practice can be stripped out in pursuit of the almighty greenback. 
I asked Justin his thoughts on the westernization of yoga, if you can even call it that. Just about anything um, when you're dealing with something that originated in another culture can be, it has the potential of being appropriated, right? I think for us to have a discussion about the practice of yoga being um, something culturally appropriated, you would have to look at a particular teacher's intent and, and what their overall goal is in sharing the practice. When speaking of intent, we think back to Iyengar and Joyce. When they met Europeans interested in yoga, they didn't shun them or try to hide their, quote, ancient cultural heritage. They shared it. And it was their goal for yoga to be taught over here. And so if we were just to look at it as that, then it can't be cultural appropriation. Justin describes yoga as a living art and science that cannot specifically be defined and thus appropriated. But he also argues that in yoga's case, appropriation was the end game. A lot of it has been westernized to a degree, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, per se. Um, what makes you say that? Well, for one, if we were going to teach yoga in a way that you only spoke Sanskrit, right? <laughs> or, or you only chanted mantra, um, which are things that I do, that could be polarizing or, or um, make individuals feel like they don't belong to a practice. And the individuals that did bring yoga over incorporated um, the English transliteration of the postural language to help make Western individuals feel more included in the practice. Okay, so yoga can't really be appropriated in the culture vulture sense, right? But what about teachers that seem too into yoga? You know, teachers doing the most. Like your white friend's liberal dad who wants to play spades with you just to show that he's down? Justin says if you're practicing Ashtanga yoga, you're literally just going through the motions. I guess we would have to ask what is too authentic, right? Like there's a, a concept in yoga, particularly Ashtanga yoga, called parampara. And that is the way your teacher teaches you the practice is you follow that to a T and then that's exactly how you teach the practice, right? Um, so. If we were going to go out on a limb and say that everybody that practices yoga or everybody that teaches yoga in some way, shape, or form follows the, the idea of parampara, then there's no way they can be doing the most because they are disseminating the practice of yoga exactly how their teacher teaches them. It would be almost rude of me to think that they're trying to extend themselves more than what I would assume is the lessons that they learned. Um, it would be naive of me to, to think that I know enough to say when another individual is extending themselves beyond their teachings from their teacher. Culture is important to ethnic groups. It provides a sense of security and belonging, and when that culture is shared, new opportunities for wealth open up. As Justin explained, the yogis who brought their art to the West wanted this to happen. 
maybe not $60 yoga pants, but if they were alive today, would Patabi Joyce and BKS Iyengar enjoy the success yoga sees in the West? If you're looking to get into yoga, Justin teaches all over the city. I teach at YogaWorks, um, and that's yogaworks.com, um, a couple studios throughout the Baltimore area. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me directly, my website, Justin Temple Yoga, is a really great um, place. And even better than that is any one of the million social media accounts that exist in the world. Um, and they all have the handle of Justin Timothy underscore, no spaces, all under under. Lowercase. All lowercase, thank you. Today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V. Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. You can also like Local Color on Facebook. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on iTunes to get those push notifications when new episodes drop. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color. <laughs>